The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bench with Bubba. This will be episode 35, and we have a week of baseball in the books, so... Talk a little fancy baseball, opening week action, and some fun stuff along the way. And I will be joined by none other than the one and only Jessica Kleinschmidt. You can find her on FanRag Sports, sportsnot.com, a fun little podcast with our guy Alex, Moonshots Pod. But more importantly, follow her on Twitter at KleinschmidtJD, where you'll see everywhere else she is. Because if there's something to write about in the baseball world, Jessica covers it. Jessica, how are you doing tonight? I am good. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Thanks again for joining. Um, I've been following you for a while. Very knowledgeable. I've listened to some of your podcasts. I'm very excited to have you uh, joining me tonight. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. No problem. Um, before we get too too far into this, I forgot to put it on the outline. This is not bad, but um, I know it probably sounds really scary right out the gate. But um, I did notice that you are covering the Reno Aces. And um, what exactly are you doing for the Reno Aces? Because I love minor league baseball. I can watch pretty much any game. I literally went into my calendar when schedules came out and any stadium within like two hours of me, I started putting dates in of games I wanted to go to. So um, what exactly are you doing? Because I'm kind of jealous. Um, Well, it's, I don't really work with, for the Aces. I work with them. Um, I'm really lucky. And this is going to sound weird, but I feel like I'm very blessed to be able to live in a city where there is AAA baseball or minor league baseball because it's not a lot of coverage. So if if something goes down, I'm one of the first people to know. And I mean, I had to break clip break uh, Clint Barmus's news last year when he retired because he retired in AAA game. Tim Lincecum was here, and there wasn't too much crowd and like the media stuff. And don't get me wrong, MLB coverage is great, but a lot of times it's covered so much you don't really miss anything. So when I'm from an, um, a minor league perspective, I get to do that. So. They're the most amazing people in the PR department, and they're always willing to have me interview any of the guys. And I've gotten, you know, a lot of great, you know, pats on the back from some of the coverage I've done with them. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I'm interviewing, you know, Anthony Bonda recently, the Dimebacks number one prospect, and um, a bunch of the other top prospects in the organization. And last night, I just got to watch Jeff Hoffman play. And, you know, Krista Norfia is on the team. Chad Qualls walks out. I was like, what a time to be alive. So it was like really cool little stuff that only baseball geeks like you and me would really appreciate. But it's pretty awesome. So that's kind of what I've been doing. If there's ever a story that needs to be told, I make sure that I tell it no that's awesome and, and that's why i like it like you said it's unique it's not covered enough um i think some of the best stories are in the minor leagues because you've you've written some stuff or at least tweeted about it and stuff there's guys that just you know 10-year career minor leaguers that no one knows who these guys are and unless you've watched bull durham you have no clue how this is mm-hmm. um it's, it's really cool stuff and i i just wanted to bring that up real quick um and that doesn't hurt you get to see a pretty cool uh, farm system with arizona so oh, that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty solid too. Yeah, um, and what's good, especially yeah. with all like the the drama of like the minor league players, you know, and the lawsuits not getting paid enough. It's I just honestly I was talking to a friend recently. I was like, I just want to go up to them, and give them all a hug. Like I'm like I'm here for you if you need anything. I'll make you sandwiches, like whatever you need. Like it just it really breaks my heart. But 
And I, and I, the AAA is always interesting to cover. They're either in an awful mood because they just got demoted or they're waiting to get promoted, or I'm very lucky and I have an amazing person like Anthony Bonda who's just always willing to talk to me or, you know, guys like that. So I really suggest, even if you can't cover it, like go out and support your local um, minor league baseball team because they deserve it and they're happy to be there. They truly love the sport. So I'm always um, a person to, Talk about that time flew in the face, so I apologize. But I definitely think that the community needs to support local for sure. Yeah, don't apologize because that's a great point. They do need to support. I go to uh, the San Jose Giants a lot. They're about an hour and a half away from me. Right. And, and their, their stadium, it's like half full. The ticket's like five bucks. Like, really, it's not going to oh, yeah. cost a lot of money. Um, it's still good baseball. Uh, prospects, the works. I saw Puig rehabbing there last year. Right. You never like, know who you can see. Yeah, you get all kinds of fun stuff, but the support part's very important because, like you said, most of them are living with like families, so right. they they like they like just having fans to talk to. And second, um, there are so many teams that are losing; like they have to move because they're not getting support. So hmm. these kids already have it tough enough, and now you're making them transfer all the time because they can't even keep a team in the area anymore. Um, it's pretty crazy, but I, I actually might have to have you on just to talk minor league baseball sometime. Cause yeah, it's, I, I'm, I, I'm very much okay with that. That's great. Not a lot I of people get it. Baseball. Yeah. Not a lot of people get it, but that's okay. Yeah. And, and um, I'm, one last thing, you get one of the best bobbleheads ever later this year. So that's awesome. Oh yes. The, the, the Bauer. That's going to be great. I actually put that date into my phone cause it's only, it's, it's not that bad of a drive and I have family up there. So I, I was, I'm really close to making that trip. <laughs> Yeah, I'm almost like, if you want me to buy a ticket, I'll do it. Like, I, cause I, I don't know if they give them out to the media members, but I remember like last year, there've been some giveaways yeah. where I've seen people in the press box with them, but I mean, I'm pretty close with some of the PR people. I'll be like, yo, hook it up because Lord knows I need, cause the, the DFS community like loves to troll Trevor Bauer. So if I get one of those, that's just going to be the icing wow. on the cake. It'll, it'll be the perfect bobblehead to add to my bobblehead collection. Yes, that's very nerdy of me to say, but I love my bobbleheads. Um, I have, a, I have, ball, uh, no, don't even trip. I have plenty too. <laughs> I get it. All right, let's get into some major league action. Um, we have a little over a week in the back of the books. Um, what are some of the major takeaways? I know you wrote a little piece on that recently at Sports Knot. You can even mix in the overreactions all in one if you want. But uh, what are you taking away from the first week? Well, the the thing about the first week is it is the first week. So I, I wrote something and you mentioned it was is a lot of overreactions. And the reason why I wrote it was because if you follow anything on Twitter, you just get you the fans are so excited to be back. But some of them, it's like, OK, you know, like the Diamondbacks are not going to win the World Series, you know, like but if they you know, they're definitely going to have an interesting scenario. Tim Tebow won't play in the majors. You know, the Mariners are going to be OK. Like, let's all relax. So the thing that I noticed about the first week is nothing that I was too surprised with because I noticed that the Cubs are good, but there are so many other good teams, you know, and I hate when people are like, Oh, the Cubs are just going to repeat. Cause that's the one question, you know, um, a lot of podcasts and radio will ask me before the season starts, like who's going to win it. And it's like, well, I don't have a crystal ball, but looking at all these teams, like I was overwhelmed because you sit there and you're thinking like, Oh, the Cubs are going to be good. But then you're thinking like, well, crap, the Astros are going to be good. And then this team's going to be great. And then you bring all these other teams into it. So a lot of these these teams are kind of like proving my point like there's so much competition this season and don't get me wrong the Cubs are always going to be good but like the Indians could could repeat a scenario too and the Houston Astros are my World Series pick and then you know you have a, a team like the Rockies that are you know constantly have that up playing in cores and NL West is always a challenging division and everything else you know so that's kind of what I've, I'm sitting at, at the moment and I mean it's still too early for me to call as far as uh, players go or, I mean um, teams but player wise like the young guys are really impressing me across the board and you know really earn their spring training spots you know they did well in spring training when they're battling for a position that's the main time that you have to pay attention to that spring training um, but you know the numbers kept going and you have guys like Manuel Margot just killing it and just impressing me you know being able to cover those guys in the PCL and have them excel at Hunter Renfro on the same team and all those guys so that's the main objective that I've noticed that coming into the season is making sure these young guys can, can keep up um, and really paying attention to the schedules, not to get too ahead of yourself. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of a couple sport of a couple teams, but when you're a writer and a radio personality and, and you cover the sport, you got to kind of separate yourself a little bit, but I've noticed um, it's definitely been 
a lot of wait and see kind of options, but more towards the players and the teams. Yeah, no, that was very well said because, like you said, you look at Twitter and, you know, I'm a Giants fan, so Melanson blows the save the opening day. Oh, no, the bullpen's the same as it's always been. Like, come You're on. You're going to go 0-162, right? <laughs> there yeah, it goes. So many, other, so many other things like that. When they play so many games, there's going to be so many injuries. There's going to be trades. Um, I told someone on a podcast recently that you, you break it down. It's like, okay, each team's already going to win 60 and lose 60. Now, now what do they do with the rest of the season? That's right. what you need to worry about, not one week, seven games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very good point. And I love the take you had on some young, the young players thing. We're going to get into a lot of them later, but like Manny Margot and Renfro, I've been a huge Renfro guy. If you want to talk fantasy wise, I drafted him in a dynasty league like six years ago. And I've been, Oh, wow. So, so when he was still in his mama's belly, you drafted him. Good for you. He was in college. He was in college. I drafted him because we were dynasty that deep that I was like, okay, something about this kid. I need him. Um, so I've been drooling. That's impressive. Good for you. Um, so I love these young kids. And that's one thing that's different than, you know, years past. You've watched baseball for a long time. I have. Um, I like to take on the Cubs because people forget they were down 3-1 last year. So there's a lot of um, parody is the wrong word. I hate that word. But it's pretty even. But then the young kids part, there's a lot more rebuilding than there used to be. And we're right. starting to get really we're starting to get really close. Like the Padres are only a year or two away now, but we've been watching them rebuild. You got the Braves, the Brewers, the Reds, like all these teams, Yankees. I love the Yankees. The evil empire is going to be back. It's going to be scary. I Um, know, but isn't that a beautiful thing to actually have MLB embracing the younger kids and taking them seriously. And, you know, to me, that's just what I ultimately, because people say I'm such a geek with these young rookies and prospects, but if you really look at it without them, we don't have a future. So I love that you have that mentality and it's true. Cause I hate the, the term rebuilding, but I don't really know what else to call it. You know, like starting from scratch is still a slap in the face and you know, like this is what we got. Doesn't say we're going to do what we have, to, you know, this is what we're having to settle with. Isn't great either. So now I'm right there with you, but it's, it's really a good thing that, that MLB is willing to open themselves up to these young bats and they're, they're taken seriously. You know, it's not like, Oh, he's young. It's like, well, all the older guys are getting, you know, old and retiring and they're, they're few and far between now. So I'm glad that MLB has that mentality now. And I think they can kind of credit the Royals. They kind of were the first team to really run with it. The right. Cubs, the Cubs have run with it and they've seen the success. They're both one world series. So why not start this philosophy? Even the Phillies, I didn't even mention the Phillies. I love what they're doing. Um, yeah. It's it's really good to see. And, like, you know, maybe it's just the nerds in us that like minor league baseball. So now all these guys we've watched for a few years are getting their shot. I don't know. You get to cover them, so it's even better. But I love it. It's really, really awesome. Um, speaking of some of these teams, let's overreact here. Um, some teams kind of out of nowhere uh, Kate, got really hot starts. Some predicted them to be good. Some predicted them to be okay. Like the Twins and Angels coming off of bad years, the Rays, Reds, Rockies, D-backs, all of them standing starts. Obviously, you even said it yourself, D-backs are not winning the World Series. I saw them in person last night, and that one through four-ish or five is just deathly scary. Deathly oh, yeah. scary. Um, and that's what I tried telling people at the game last night. When they were all, oh, they were so bad. We're like Giants fans are crying. Well, you forget the top two in that order were injured like all of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got people forget these little things. Oh, um, yeah. What's your kind of feeling on some of these teams that, that took off in the opening week, and what do they have in store? Well, the the one team that I'm I, I would stutter over would be those Diamondbacks because I talked to Tony Larusa maybe like a couple months ago and he was here for like a banquet with the Aces to like hang out with the season uh, ticket holders and um, I was the butthead who didn't ask about his managerial experience or his past. I was like what's the deal with the Diamondbacks? Like, tell me the things. And you know, I was that kind. I was that guy. So um, I asked him about do the Dimebacks have less pressure on them this season? And I really think that's radiating right now. You know, you think about the NL West, you're going to be thinking the three, that those three teams, which is the Diamondbacks, or I'm sorry, the, the Giants, the Dodgers, and then the Rockies, of course. And then there's like the 50 pile of, 50 foot pile of crap. And then there's the Diamondbacks and then the Padres. But this time around, I think the less pressure is going to benefit them. And, you know, I'm very much the, the girl who's,
We lost you, Jess. We lost you. Come back. Yeah. Getting demoted. Shelby Miller getting demoted and stuff like that. All of that, like, genuinely made, like, a huge impact on them. So going into it, and I'm, like, a raised Ace fan. I'm used to, like, those scrappy teams who just, like, don't care. So he, they were just, like, going to go in it and doing that. And that's ultimately why the A's are successful. And that's why sometimes the Astros are successful because they just don't care. They just go out there and play. And sometimes you have to play that Sandlot mentality baseball in order to succeed. So they're the main, te- the main team that I'm like, okay, all right, I see you. I see you. And, you know, the NL West doesn't get a lot of credit for being a tough division. They, they very much are. And that's an overreaction that somebody sent me. Like, don't you think the NL West is not that, you know, difficult or something like that? And I was like, no, it's a very difficult division to play in. Um, so they're probably the, the one team that I'm, I'm surprised about. Uh, the Rockies, I'm not surprised with them at all because I've, they've always kind of been like, all right, cool. You know, and the playing cores, that definitely benefits them. But then every now and then we'll have that weird start like they did last night with like Weaver just like throwing awesome which was trippy like I know Weaver you have no velocity but how much can you depend on that chorus feel like come on that's weird so um and and that's pretty much it because the the Rays are always they have everything they need to do to really compete Lomo out of the gate had a phenomenal opening day series and that was great to watch the Angels that's not going to happen people need to calm down like that's just not going to happen same with the Twins and the Reds so it's just kind of like those teams you know look at the White Sox last year they came out hot too and then they ultimately I mean they didn't fail but they did and, you know, do amazing things. So that's definitely something that people need to keep in the back of their mind. But of course there are some things that I'm still paying attention to. Yeah. A couple things I wanted to touch on there, uh, the way you basically three or have a shot, three don't, those are the same. I agreed with in my prediction. Right. So I, I'm actually really high on the raise. Their pieces and play are great. It's just a matter of do they trade or don't they trade? I think if they stay healthy and don't trade, I think they can contend for like a wild card. I really do. Oh yeah. But and I get you're one of the few that have agreed with that. By the way, I got <laughs> I got a lot of like you're high. Um, oh, no, but it, I mean, at this point, like who cares? Like that's one thing I love about baseball is how you it, the, it you be on drugs and still like these things happen. Were people really anticipating the Cubs to be as wonderful? Not necessarily. You know, I love that. I'm just glad it wasn't like you know another boring. No offense, but like the Giants again, that would have been just a boring thing to cover because it's like okay, that's great, we know what happens. Or like the Cardinals again, like great, another you know blah blah blah. So I kind of like the Cinderella story, but I'm right there with you. That's what I love about it is how unpredictable it can be. And the other thing I wanted to touch on is the NL West. People do not understand, and, and, and people will claim my bias or something, but it's not. I just watch it all the time. But literally, they beat up on each other all year round. So people see the records and they go, "Oh, the division's garbage," and oh, yeah. it's really not. Like these guys go to battle every night. The D-backs are really good. Like we already said, they had injuries on offense. If the pitchers come back healthy, I don't trust Granky's velocity, but that's a whole other story. Right, um, but. It's really interesting. The Rockies are just always scary. You have to face them nine times a year in Coors. You can mm-hmm. go overnight real easily. So it's it's totally different than what people expect. Um, let's get in a little fantasy baseball talk since you cover okay. a ton of fantasy baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, first off, how many leagues do you partake in? Because some of these experts partake in way too many leagues. So what are you um- doing? Yeah, so it's, I mean, I do a lot of DFS coverage, and you can't really count that as, like, one or two leagues. That's a big league all around. Um, I also also live in Nevada, so I can't play at the moment, so I'm just kind of giving advice, which kind of feels like I'm in a league, but, you know, that doesn't really count. So uh, the Roto stuff, the season-long type of stuff, I'm in five this year. That's not bad. Which is healthy. That's a healthy number, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm in, in like, five or six. Totally fine. So I I get that. Anything anything beyond that is usually because I can't think of a cute pun for my team name. (laughs) That's great. That is great. What's what's your best team name? Uh, Throws like a grill. (laughs) The way he hits? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Throws like a grill. Either way it works, right? Yeah, no, that's that's solid, solid stuff. Um, do you prefer roto or head to head? Um, usually head to head, probably because you know, like the when I was little, that was what I was used to. 
Um, cause you know, I did this fantasy, I was fantasy football forever. And then when fantasy baseball got introduced to me, it was like, this thing is stupid and it's boring. I can't do it. So I took like three years off from it. And then once I started becoming more of like an analyst, I was like, I need to kind of go back into that because I'm getting all these podcasts and radio responses and people are asking me. So, um, I kind of went back, back more into over the last five or six years. So I think head to head is just kind of what like I'm used to. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause I've always said to people that baseball is just, it's like the little brother to fantasy football. So a lot of people that start play head to head and they love head to head. So right. that's just the way it goes. I, I like Roto cause to me, it's the most pure form of baseball. You get your whole season worth of stats, but the head to head's fun mm-hmm. for like, especially when you're in like a home league cause you can trash talk like crazy. So that's always fun. Yeah. One thing that we already talked about overreactions as just in general to the first week of the season. One thing that, you know, people that might not have played a lot of fantasy baseball or just might be their type. um, They like to just go bananas on the waiver wire to start the season. And that could really bury you at times. What is your approach to the waiver wire early? Because some of these guys with hot starts, which we will get into, we know they're not continuing. But some people will go out there, they'll spend half their fab budget on some player and they'll be releasing them in a week. No, I, so what's your- I agree. I agree. And I used to go bananas with my waiver wire. I would just be like, oh, let's just go crazy. And then I've noticed over the years, you have to find a balance. And that's not just because, you know, I was dumb in making these decisions, but of all, you know, baseball is such a long season. And when you're thinking of waiver wire from a football perspective, it's a little bit easier to approach. Um, but from a baseball perspective, you really have to be careful. And that's that's a mixture of things. That's the timing. That's the prospects. That's the amount of money that you want to spend. That's the amount of time. And, you know, th- these guys are so injury prone these days. And it's scary to think of, too. So you really have to find a balance. Um, but there's a couple of leagues where I just don't care. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go crazy. But those are obviously the leagues that I don't have money involved with. But, you know, that's, of course, neither here nor there. But it, it, you, like, I, like I mentioned, you have to find a balance. And I'm such a DFS mind these days. I have no patience for a lot of stuff. So a lot of times the waiver wire, I kind of try to stay away from as much as possible because I'm worried that I'm just going to make a stupid decision because, believe it or not, a DFS mind could screw up a season-long mind. And that's just, you know, I, you know and vice versa. So, you know, everybody in DFS, like, I forget they're season-long. And season-long's like, DFS sounds stupid. But here I am just, like, trying to play, you know, neutral. And I'm like, they're both great, you guys. You know, so it's really hard to, to manage both. But so that's kind of where my mentality is right now is just to find a balance when it comes to approaching your waiver wire. But it depends on who you're playing with, too, what kind of scenario they have. If you're with somebody who's going bananas, just push that. Be like, yeah, man, like you're go- Yeah, keep doing it. And then take advantage of him and, and do it that way or her, of course. That's a good point because um, I love DFS. I do a weekly podcast or a daily podcast for Monday through Friday. Um I love DFS, but it does kind of skew your opinion because all you care about is that day. Right. And if that guy spurns you, you don't care. You'll probably go back to the well the next day or the day after right. on the same guy. Absolutely. But- and I was just talking about it today about Vincent Velasquez. Like I hated his matchup today, but then I was like season long though. Oh, I would spend a lot of money. So it just, it's, it's, but it's also kind of fun that way too. Cause you kind of get both sides of the perspective. It's like I say, like Steven Strasburg, I will never draft season Steven Strasburg because I cannot stand the fact I know he's going to get hurt. Right. But Daily Fantasy, I will play him almost every time he's on the mound because oh, on Steven Strasburg. Absolutely. Yeah. Take advantage of it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the waiver wire, it, it's a really interesting deal because, you know, you got your like Johnny VR types and stuff from last year that if you were patient, you missed out on and those guys won championships. So it's it's tricky to play that fine line. I would just suggest if it's kind of a flash in the pan type guy, like we'll talk about a guy like Jacoby Jones, mm-hmm. maybe temper your expectations. Right. But like a Manny Margot, go ahead and spend some money. Absolutely. But that's just do your research. That that's kind of how I would suggest it. Just don't go crazy on any name that has like one good start, like Ricky Davis. Um, Let's go to uh, – sorry, 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 too soon. Um, one of the most frustrating things for season-long uh, fantasy, and now that I didn't even realize you were that big on the DFS to like this last week when I started seeing your post, we could do DFS some other time. But um, season-long is closers. Everybody has to have closers, and one thing they will blow their waiver wire on is the constant changing of the guard. 
Um, some teams are just crazy. Like the A's, mm-hmm. the Nationals already screwed us up, but that's already shaky again somewhat. The Rockies got Holland now, but I love um, – I'm blanking on his name now with the A, Ottavino. Love him. And then you got the Padres where that could be anything any day. Um, so teams like that, like even the Rangers now after last night, another blown save by Dyson. How do you approach those situations? Well, I mean, I like I mentioned, I was an I'm an A's like fan at heart. So that there were a huge, you know, scenario like, okay, well, what's the deal? And don't get me wrong, I know they had to strengthen their bullpen, but you know, you have to uh, unfortunately you can't you know rush through your starter starting pitchers no matter how strong your bullpen is. So the 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 situation with the A's was a big question heading into it, and Bob Melvin of course can handle it, but he was like, I don't know who my closers are going to be, I don't know who my relievers are going to be. But then you have this beautiful bullpen names of like uh, Casilla, Sean Doolittle. Uh, uh, Madsen, uh, Dull, and then Axford, if he can stay healthy, and then Hendricks, of course, too. And then if he, even if he keep, continue to go further, they're great, too. So there were a huge question mark for me, but the beauty of that was Melvin knew no matter what happens, he'd be fine. So I think what Casilla and Doolittle ended up getting this, the closer roles officially, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but um, either way, they had a great scenario. But you look at their starting pitchers, and obviously Sonny Gray's battling an injury and he had so much pressure going on to, um, on him heading into the season. So that was something. And, you know, if you get through Kendall Graveman or Sean Manea, how many innings are they going to last? You don't want to bring your relievers in this freaking second inning. You can't do that. So that's definitely something that worried me, but they had so much pressure on them to get a stronger bullpen to, to be a great team. So I'm not surprised they had those big names and spent a lot of money on them. Um, and then as far as the the Rockies go, I just saw them last night. Chad Qualls was just here. Um, and he, from the few times that I did see him play, he was actually pitching rather well um, in his reliever position. Um, you didn't mention Holland um, Ottavino, but when it comes to me approaching the reliever, I've noticed like they're kind of like, I don't know. I mean, it depends on your league, of course, but I don't mind going a little bit higher when it comes to maintaining a relief position. And that has a lot to do with the fact that I do understand how my pitchers are, if they can bust through a really strong inning, but then you have to pay attention to the the hitters you have, you know, Adubel Herrera really struggles against um, lefties. He can walk against lefties now, but he's not as patient. He's working on his patience. But when you're thinking about a pitcher like that, you can't just think about your starter. Um, You have to think about, okay, well, how many lefties are in that relief position too? And a lot of times that's, you know, that's how it goes. So for me, I don't mind kind of, you know, spending a little bit more money depending on what I'm dealing with, especially in the scenarios that we have now where relievers are the new black, as people say, you know, and they're definitely going to save you some, some runs. Absolutely. If you have a, a really strong guy. So if somebody were to be like, Hey, do you, if I spent a little bit extra on, on Doolittle or Casilla or somebody like that, what do you say? I'd be like, you know what? Go for it. I don't see the problem in that at all. Okay. And um, on the A situation by themselves, I, I was at first skeptical on why does he keep spending on all these guys. Then it makes sense because Billy Bean's a genius. And, um, well, it depends on who you talk to. But do well. <laughs> these guys do well, even Casilla and Doolittle. He's going to flip them at the deadline and get more prospects. So, right. worst case scenario, they do both do well and you get something out of it. So, that's where the A's, I think, really, really get it going. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get into some players that had some big opening weeks that most of them weren't owned. Some definitely were, and expectations should just be tempered to begin with or go all in. Um, just kind of get, let us know. We don't have to go deep dive in all of them. Would you add them? Would you drop them? Kind of where do you see the outlook on some of these guys? We'll kick it off with the most popular name in every show you listen to right now that involves fantasy baseball. He was high on everybody's list coming into the season. Byron Buxton can't can't hit a beach ball right now. Um, right. What would you do with Byron Buxton? Well, I mean, he's had a lot of you know situations around him for years. We're just constantly waiting around for him to have his breakout season, are we not? So when it comes to that. I mean, you'd have to look at your your scenario, though. I mean, from a DFS perspective, he's very much a high a high guy for me. I really like him because if you're watching the the right performances, maybe. But when it comes to season long perspective, 
I mean, he's definitely not like a top five rounder for me just because you don't really know what you're going to get with him as far as his consistencies go. And like I mentioned, we're constantly, we're just waiting around for him. Right. Um, however, if he's left over after a certain amount of rounds, I absolutely don't mind you going for him on a team like the Minnesota twins, where everybody's kind of, you know, anticipating the worst minus a few situations this time around. Um, so he's, he's a high guy for me, obviously the power is there uh, or the speed is there. And, um, but it's just whether or not he can actually stay in a game, finish a season kind of scenario for me. So um, DFS wise, definitely love him, but season long, I'm really hesitant because he's kind of like JD Martinez where he doesn't really finish a season. So it's difficult for me to kind of get excited about him these days. With your answer there on him, I have a feeling you have a, you have a theory like I do, or a kind of uh, strategy like I do when it comes to DFS, a lot of people like to, to target the bombers, which I get. But I like guys like Billy Hamilton. I love Adam Eaton and Ciarte, who even hit a home run today, um, that can steal bases when they get on. Because if you steal a base, score a run, get a hit, you're almost getting a home run now. Oh, um, yeah. Especially if you're so playing that's a where Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where Buxton comes in because, you know, he's going to have those offers, But those games where he does do his thing, it's it's huge. Um, let's talk about one we both mentioned already, and I like him a lot this year. He has three home runs already on the season, and he's going to steal a ton of bases. Manuel Margot of the Padres. What are your thoughts on Mr. Manny? All of the Margot. All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. I really feel bad that, you know, there was an injury that had to occur for him to 100% get that starting role. But, you know, I mean, between him, Jabari Blash, and Hunter Renfro, like, what a, what a great group of young guys. Like, it's just somebody that I'm really excited. But season-long, absolutely. DFS-wise, people were always choosing between him and him and Jank. And it, obviously, they, for some reason, don't like to listen to me, and they go, Jank. But I'm like, no, nope, you should have left and, and stayed with uh, Margot. I love him from every type of format. Um, and he's playing at a, at a park that's not very hitter friendly and he's still doing wonderful at it. So I love him to Reese's pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. With that, I have an article coming out on him tomorrow too. So watch out for that. We'll check it out on uh, which one of the 12 websites. Um, that tomorrow is going to be on fan rag sports, ladies and gentlemen. Perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. His, his game plays so well into Petco. I know it's a little more hitter friendly these days, but gap to gap wise, he's going to be running for days out there. It's going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hit up one of the Mets pitchers. Had a rough first start. Pitched pretty well tonight, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Wheeler finally, finally looks like he's healthy. Um, so many road bumps along the way. What are your thoughts on Wheeler this season? I mean, when going into the season, we were more concerned about who was going to get that fourth and fifth kind of rotator spot. Obviously, with Selman having a great spring training, that was something to to keep your mind on. Um, but yeah, so I really liked like his velocity right now. He's pitching on a team where he has to be great. And then obviously with the Matt Harvey situation, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. I haven't checked on that update, but uh, it's it's a very interesting um, rotation. You know, you have Degroms, you have the the like I mentioned the Harveys, and then of course Noah Cinder and then Matt's who can't, who's had more arm surgeries than anybody I can imagine. So that's definitely something to think about. But like I mentioned, his velocity there, his velocity is there. He's not really going to be known for um, throwing a ton of specialty pitches. Um, But when people do hit off of him, the beauty of him is there's not a lot of hard contact, which I like, especially in that, um, where they're playing. And of course, he's a strong outfield, so that's not always a scenario. Um, A lot of soft contact this season, which has been great to to fall and actually over his entire career which I really appreciate so um, um when it comes to his fastball he's going to be throwing it a lot of a lot of percent of the time um even his curveball he's throwing it a little bit more as time goes on especially this this time around um so I really like him from a from a huge fantasy perspective um and that's pretty much across the board in regards to whatever format you're in now do pitchers like Wheeler and other young arms which they pretty much already told you coming into it That'll be somewhat on innings limits. Do those, like say season long wise, do those worry you at all? Or do you just say go with it and figure it out later? Oh, absolutely. I'm always worried about that. But like, I kind of like to mix it up. Like 
you know, everybody has their own strategy, whether it's like, do you go towards like, do you get your two running backs or do you hurry up and go all in for your starting pitcher or whatever format you're in? But my thing is, is I do like a veteran pitcher. I like to have a young pitcher. I like to have a prospect pitcher. And of course, um, I like to have like a mediocre kind of guy just to kind of, you know, make it fun, to be honest. Um, so it really depends on your strategies that way. I, I always worry about pitcher's arms. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, but the younger guys, of course, I'm a little bit more worried because a lot of times when they get promoted, they try to overexert themselves and try a little bit too hard. And the next thing you know, oh, cool, your third Tommy John surgery. So that's where I ultimately come in, in the back of my mind. But then, then again, I even it out with a veteran guy who knows better and then a couple of other you know, similar scenarios that way. Good philosophy. Uh, moving on to the Yankees backstop. Everyone, in my opinion, drafted him way too high. And this has nothing to do with me too high, but now he's injured out at least four weeks. Uh, Gary Sanchez, everyone was like, oh, he's going to hit a thousand home runs. People don't realize how many hit in the minors and what reality is. But uh, say when he's healthy again, how do you feel about Gary Sanchez? I mean, I'm still, you know, relatively high on him. He's got major upside, but we knew that. Um, And you mentioned, you know, from the minors to the, to the bigs, he wasn't in the Pacific coast league. So his transition was a little bit less bumpy um, Pacific coast league. Like you and I would have like a two fifty batting average, like let's be honest. So anybody can really hit well there, but when it comes to um, where he was playing, you know, he was, he was, you know, doing well. And obviously his transition was really smooth. This injury, it is not surprising, not because of like what he's been doing, but injuries just happen. Um, I think he'll be fine. Um, but the thing is, when he does come back from injury, I think there's just going to be that same amount of pressure on him. Um, so that's definitely something to think about. But overall, like, I think he's the guy's a stud and I think he's a future star. Um, and I know you're worried about people drafted him too high, but, you know, one of my friends said that he drafted him around the same time he probably drafted Hunter Renfro because he was so such a fan of his. So I'm glad that, you know, some of his picks have, have come through and he's got so much power. So depending on like what type in a DFS play, he's always wonderful because even if he strikes out, the power is still there. Um, and all of that. So it's definitely something to, to keep your mind off. But like I mentioned, the moment he comes back, I don't want people to put like extra pressure on him. Like, okay, he's going to hit for the cycle or he's going to hit three bombs. Like let's chill on that. Yeah. And I'm not trying, I, I still think he's going to be a heck of a ball player. I was just like, people swore he was going to be a 40 home run, 330 guy. And it's like, you guys need to temper it down just a little bit here. But, um, and maybe the uh, judge has gotten off to a hot start. If he keeps hitting, it'll take pressure off of Sanchez to not to be the yeah. young crowd. That could be big too. Um, moving on to Tampa Bay, Corey Dickerson always had some you know talent, but people thought, oh, it's because he's in Coors, goes to Tampa Bay, has a down year. But now he's getting everyday at-bats, at least with Rasmus mm-hmm. out for now. And with when a righty's on the mound, he's leading off, which is just crazy good DFS-wise especially. But um, season long, not bad either. DFS wise, I've been over him every day. There's a lefty on the or righty on the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on him, especially like a season long perspective, uh, Corey Dickerson? I mean, heading into the season, I wasn't like he was on my radar, but he wasn't on any of my lineups or anything like that. But right now, he's definitely proving himself. And of course, there's he's got like what thirty something at bats or plate appearances so far. So it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind. But he's showing power, which I really, really appreciate, especially for him um, and his body frame. You're not really um, expecting that. So his ISO is certainly something to keep an eye on because he's, he's like I mentioned, showing the power and his. You know, I mean, it's really difficult to look at numbers right now. Now just because of like the small sample sizes but if you're looking at him overall like he still you know made contact um he was he's not striking out he was striking out rather over, around the league average last year he's striking a little bit more this year which is definitely something to pay attention to but that's going to happen when you're making all these plate appearances those are just going to going to rise so he's definitely somebody that I like um and if you know kind of looking at him now I wish I could have done something with him but from a season-long perspective absolutely DFS wise he's rarely talked about to be honest yeah I love him uh DFS wise when there's a righty on the mound he's leading off I, he's so cheap but um another guy that got traded from Boston to Milwaukee most thought he'd platoon because of his his righty lefty splits but he's getting the everyday at bats usually clean up every night um, Travis Shaw of the Brewers, I think the fact he's getting everyday at bats, he's already swinging it good to start the year, similar to Dickerson, small sample size. But um, do you think there's a good outlook for Shaw 
throughout the season. Oh, I love him. Um, I do this segment called Three Swipes and You're Out for Fan Vice, and it's basically talking um, people into not, you know, taking these guys on for DFS-wise. And I was like, I wonder what Shaw's been up to. So I looked at his numbers, and the guy's just phenomenal. Like, so I'm really glad that he's open, you know, getting more um, plate appearances in, in, in at-bats and everything like that, like like you mentioned. So that's always great. And coming from the Red Sox, like, that's kind of difficult to do. Um, but he's proving himself, and I'm really loving everything that he's doing. And there was – there was a stat that I found yesterday. I think his his fly ball rate wasn't raised. He's hitting a lot of ground balls. That's what it was. He's hitting a lot of ground balls, which kind of makes me worried. That does depend on the type of pitcher he's going up against. Uh, but believe it or not, you know, I was just told recently ground ball pitchers sometimes perform better against uh your ground ball hitters perform better against ground ball pitchers. So, I mean, and vice versa. And it was this weird thing that we talked about. So it depends on how you're looking at it. But um, if he's in the right scenario, I absolutely love him. And so instead of adding him into my three swipes, I was like, I, there's no way in hell I can talk anybody out of putting him in their lineup. So I refrain from doing it. Gotcha. Uh, moving on to Detroit. Um, Jacoby Jones is a, one of their higher prospects. Not like high, high, but pretty high. Lots of pop. Um, was regularly like a third baseman. They haven't played in the outfield right now. I have a feeling when J.D. Martinez comes back, things might change a little bit. But um, he's he's shown some nice pop, gets on base. He's hitting towards the bottom of the order. This is one of the guys I think people should kind of slow down on the waiver wire. But what's your thoughts on Jacoby Jones? I agree. Um, I don't think he's anybody that you should go crazy over. However, his athleticism is something that is just phenomenal. He's great in the outfield. And I love when it's somebody like Trey Turner, like he was trying to get to the big. So they were like, Hey, play the outfield. You might be able to get there faster. And then he does. And he gets to kind of go back to the infield. That was kind of great too. So with Jacoby Jones, he did it. He was like, all right, well, whatever I need to play, like I'll play. And I love hearing that from a guy. So he's super athletic. I'm not going to take that away from him, but a waiver wire situation, I might be hesitant. And that's a good thing to mention because the fact they wanted to find a place for him and he took advantage of it, maybe he doesn't disappear when JD comes back and, you know, something else happens and he gets more playing time. They do have a kind of interesting outfield situation to begin with. So that could be something to keep an eye on with him. But I wouldn't like, yeah, I wouldn't go running to the waiver wire. This is one I know you have an inside track with your fan rag boys, especially Tommy Stokey, um, who I've had on bench with Bubba. Um, Archie Bradley. I watched him face San Francisco last weekend and you've seen him in Reno and um, he was always like a mid to low nineties guy. Now in the bullpen, he's bringing the heat and he looks Mm -hmm. really good. And with Robin hood closing right now, there's always a chance for a new closer. What is your outlook on Archie Bradley? Um, it's always, I've always loved him, but pitching not only in the PCL, but at greater Nevada field, it's really difficult. And people were actually telling me that pitching at the the field in Reno was the equivalent to the minor league version of cores. Um, the way that the, the, the way that the, um, what's that word? Why can't I think of the word? Altitude. Altitude. Look at you. I don't know big words. If it has more than one vowel. I can't. You know, there's more than one <laughs> syllable. I can't do you save it. All the vowel, you save all the vowels for your name. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so they're comparing that to cores. Obviously, the dimensions aren't there, but definitely the altitude issue. And every pitcher I've ever talked to says they struggled pitching there. So I was always worried about him with his transitions. And he was very much a guy where he was like Peter O'Brien, like constantly back and forth between Reno, which I really hated. But you mentioned his velocity, and that has definitely skyrocketed. Added a few miles an hour onto his fastball. So he was around like the 92 range last uh, season and this time around he's he's almost peaking at 96 which is amazing um to see and then a slider of course that's adding more to it and then uh, everything else has just been great so I just like him on this team and you know between him and Braden Shipley obviously I think it was an easy play to call to have Archie back up there and Bur- it was just like when is this guy ever just going to stay up there so he's great he has enough major league experience where I don't even think about him and it's a triple a of guy at all unless like an injury happens um he's great with the team love you know just he's just all around a great guy just I, i'm just constantly waiting for him to have a breakout season and i think if not this season he's definitely well on his way that's good i think he's i think if they keep him in the bullpen which i think they should he's a future closer for them or somebody else i think i really like what i'm seeing from him so far um and people that don't under, don't know what the PCL is and what we're talking about, you have like Reno, Colorado Springs, Albuquerque, and some others where the ball literally it's like hitting a racquetball. Right. So it, 
It's ridiculous. Um, here's an arm I haven't been as high on, and he's got good stuff. Probably a good guy. I don't even know him. But Garrett Cole for the Pittsburgh Pirates had a down 2016. In his first couple starts, he's leaving that fastball very hittable again. Yeah. Um, is there any cause for concern with Cole? Like just, you know, maybe it's time to throw in the towel for owning him, not for him to stop pitching, but for owning him. <laughs> he's done. Or, it's time for you to retire, oh, yeah, Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> he's in UCLA, I think, with Crawford and stuff. He's plenty young. I'm just saying, you know, for the ace potential people are looking for, I think it's time to step back. But what's your thoughts on Cole? No, I agree. He hasn't really been proving himself. Um, and that's ultimately how what you feel like as a fantasy owner. If you think enough games have gone by, you know, obviously go for it kind of deal. Um, he's pitched in, I just had it up, 11 innings so far. So that's a very low amount. But he has over a 6.55 ERA. So they're tattooing the ball off of him. And um, he's, his strikeout rate is extremely, extremely low. But he's not even walking, guys. He's just throwing – he's just getting hit. And it's just kind of, um, uh, like, embarrassing at this point. So it's just something that I definitely like to keep an, an eye on. He's not striking out a lot of guys. And it's just – I don't know what else pe- what, what else you want for in a pitcher like that, especially with the name of Garrett Cole. If you're looking at the contact, his medium and hard contact percentages are high. And so when they are hitting off them, the balls are flying. So that's definitely something you need to pay attention to. But go with how you feel. If you think that's enough innings for you to be like, okay, bye, I need to drop you, that's fine. But also, it is only 11 innings. But that's just kind of your own play to call. Yeah, no, it's very short. I just, I kind of, I, I, with him, I'm almost looking even back to last year where it, it, it looked just like a replay already. So it's kind of little little worrisome there. But, yeah, it is early for all these guys. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Another guy it's early for is 14 solid innings to start the year. I was just talking about with someone else. Clayton Richard, out of nowhere, it seems like to me, dominated the Dodgers, good second start. Not a big strikeout guy, but if you're looking for, you know, I guess whip and ERA, quality starts league maybe, is Clayton Richard even worth a waiver wire ad right now, or is this just like Jared Weaver throwing good and coolers type stuff? I think it's a Jared Weaver throwing good and cores type of stuff. And the reason why is because I've been talking to a lot of these players and especially like the younger guys and he's, you know, not really young, but um, the thing that I've noticed is what you really want to pay attention to is, is the base situation too. Like, is he get, leaving a lot of people on base? Like are guys stealing off of him? And if you're looking at him, his left on base percentage is, is solid, but I've noticed when it comes to him, I think people are going to be stealing off him a lot too. Um, a lot with the base scenario you have to, keep it, uh, your mind with that as well. Not to mention the fact that the guy is known for constantly being promoted, demoted, everything like that too. So do you really want a guy that doesn't have like longevity as well? So that's something to keep in the back of your mind. Definitely having a really rough start um, to the season. Um, so that's, you know, nothing that I'm too high on. Um, they're not really hitting the ball that hard off them, but that hard uh, contact percentage is certainly up there. Um, and they're, they're certainly pulling the ball off of him and you're looking at a lot of these percentages and it's pretty scary, um, considering the fact, you know, his home run fly ball ratio is just through the roof, not really through the roof, but it's not, it's not high. There are hitting a lot of ground grounders more than they are fly balls, which is, I guess, kind of cool, but you're thinking about it, where is he pitching? You know, so that's definitely something to think about too. So he's not a guy that I'm really excited about, especially not a guy you want to be making in like any sort of trades for. Um, he's definitely a guy that you're going to see in your free agent list quite a bit so that's unfortunately the reality of it no and I like that the, the left on base that's something a lot of people don't look at and they should because I look at it a lot when people critique bullpens because a lot of those guys it's a great, it's a great tiebreaker it's a great yeah, tiebreaker it yeah it's very good uh, I like that one a lot okay we're gonna go to the two reds youngsters I know how you feel on one but the rest of the world might not yet uh, <laughs> rookie Davis one of the best baseball names ever at least for his first year um, and then Amir Garrett, who actually pitched pretty decent again tonight, he looks like he might be something. Mm-hmm. Um, you can give me the brief run through on those two. What's your thoughts on the Reds youngsters that were surprises to even get jobs to start the year? Yeah, and I feel like with with this scenario, like it was, I don't know, there was just so much going into the season. The Reds are always kind of like a team. They're not going to be winning the World Series, but last year there was like those few games where they were just scrappy and making it difficult for the rest of the people in their division. So you did mention um, – Rookie Davis, and before he even went in, people were asking me about him. And believe it or not, I had not done a lot of work 
on him or with him or anything like that. So I just kind of looked at his numbers and I was just shocked he even got a starting role. And if you look at the DFS prices, I'm so glad I can openly talk about DFS on this thing. It's so wonderful. You're wondering why he was like five point something thousand dollars across the industry as a starting pitcher. You're kind of like, what is going on here? And then you look at his numbers, you're like, ah, yes, of course, that's why. So he's obviously good. So we really don't have to pay attention to him that much in in my scenarios but that's that's the thing like he got a shot and he kind of blew it and who was the the older guy who got two bombs off of him who was it why can't i think of it what team were they facing again the cardinals oh. was it the cardinals it was a red team yeah it had to be the older cardinals. guy was it, i can't was it brandon moss it wasn't Moss. No, it was an older guy because I remember making the joke like, okay, he had a great game, and that's pretty much all we're going to see from him. Okay, I'm not so somebody hit, <laughs> Some guy hit two bombs off of him in his um, in his debut, and um, it what really was like, but it was off of Rookie Davis, so what's that saying? So, I mean, he went out there and he tried. He definitely needs, you know, more out – outings, if you will. But when it comes to uh, Amir Garrett, like, he blew my socks off. I was like, okay, kid. All right. I see you. I see you. Um, and against the Cardinals, nonetheless, that's not an easy lineup to go up against. It's not spring training where we're laughing at the lineups that they have to face, where it's like inner squad, double A people with their cousins playing on the team. Like it's, this is real baseball now. So he very much um, impressed me. I've recently wrote about him um, over on fan graphs and, you know, his, his K nine ratio isn't um, as up as you'd like to be, but the guys only had, you know, pitched in 6.2 um, innings so far. So it's definitely something to pay attention to. So I definitely like him. Um, and I think he just needs a little bit more outings for us to really get a bigger, you know, sign of him. Um, but he's got a really solid, um, uh, walk percentage is not walking a lot of guys is striking out enough and as far as um, hitting off of him it hasn't been there's no hard contact really so um, when they are hitting off of him they're making solid contact but it's nothing too crazy they're not pulling the ball off of him they're kind of you know making the ball kind of go up center so he's doing everything he needs to do so he's definitely impressing me so far yeah I really like what I've seen especially people didn't realize he's a former Rutgers basketball player he wasn't even really playing baseball oh nice Really impressive stuff there. Uh, Rookie Davis, this name's going to make you happy. Daniel Nava. Yes, that's what Daniel, I had to start laughing when I saw that. Daniel Nava. And he only went three innings and four innings in his start, so he doesn't even go deep. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Right. One last youngster. One last youngster. If you want to talk about the other guy that's been pitching great for the Rockies, Kyle Freeland. He got beat up a little bit today, but it's Coors Field, mm-hmm. and it's his first start in Coors. That was kind of expected. Um, but he looks great in his first start on the road in Milwaukee, which isn't the best place to pitch either. Um, is there anything to him? And then Sensatella, if you want to just briefly touch on him, go for it. Uh, he pitched actually pretty well in Coors yesterday. Two good starts from him. What are your thoughts on the two youngsters in Colorado? I know more about Freeland and, and when it comes to Rockies, I never really go by their ERA so much because you have to take that with the grain of salt. Like, look at look at Gray's numbers. Like, are you really going to stay away from Gray just because he has that four-whatever ERA? No, if you have a Rockies jersey on, you're going to have a little bit of a higher ERA. So I never take that away from him, um, especially because of just of, of who he is. Um, and we were talking about left-on-base percentages, and his raised a little bit, um, but that's – that's what happens when you're when you're promoted. So I'm definitely glad he got the starting job. Um, but it's uh, the the rest of the the bad. Um, he's striking out a lot of guys, which is always what we want to see. And um, his, his strikeout nine ratio is exactly nine. So he's striking out one guy per inning. I mean, so far it's a very small sample size, but that's ultimately the the road that you want to be on. Um, not a lot of hard contact for him either. Um, and that's what I kind of like. And his Sierra is very stellar as well. So I know people are obsessed with that ERA, but if you look at the Sierra numbers, those are kind of what's a little bit more reflective of his characteristics. I don't know too much about um, the other guy though. No, not a problem. I didn't even know who he was. And yeah. I said, okay, if you want to really roll the dice in the GPP, go for him against uh, Milwaukee. <laughs> and it worked out. It worked out great because it's Milwaukee. They strike yeah. out at them. Give it a shot. Uh, I did not touch him much yesterday in Coors, and he still pitched good. So I don't know. I'll keep an eye on him for sure. Um, let's get into a couple last questions here. I have a couple off the wall ones from what we have on the outline. But since you're big in the DFS, just real quick, do you prefer DraftKings or FanDuel? 
I worked for Fandle for a year and a half. Um, okay. So <laughs> I just know their prices a little bit more. Um, but okay. but they, um, I guess I like DraftKings a little bit more for baseball. But like I said, I'm just more familiar with the Fandle site and the prices and everything like that. So I could look at a Fandle price and know it's expensive and cheap because I'm so used to what it was. Um, so I obviously go more towards Fandle because that's like my home. That's like what I got. That's how I got my big gig and everything like that. But I like DraftKings on the MLB side for sure. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I love their baseball so much more. But everything they have else, a better okay. relationship with MLB than Fandle ever did. Um, another recent article you wrote, I actually made a point to email it to myself to make sure I read it because there's so much stuff on the timeline every day. I just forget. <laughs> not your, not not yours. I'm talking about Twitter in general. Well, no, I tweet a lot too. So <laughs> uh, if it's pertinent, I don't care. No, it's kidding. Um, but uh, you wrote a nice piece on the 2020 Olympics with baseball and softball. Um, the WBC was just amazing this year. Uh, I've never been a huge fan just because you don't get all the right players there. The pitching's kind of a mess, and there's no real good time to do it. But if the Olympics is going to allow pros, which would be in the middle of summer when everyone's ramped up, this could be something. Um, right. What's kind of your insight for those that haven't seen your article or anything like that? I just want to real briefly touch on that. Well, the interesting, you mentioned the WBC and I was the same mentality. Um, it wasn't until I interviewed somebody from the Australia team where it really opened my eyes. You know, some of these kids are only going to play in the minors. They're never going to get promoted. They're never going to reach the World Series. So their version of the World Series is representing their country. And you can only do that during the WBC and now the Olympics. How, how other else can you do it? There was almost a million fans coming out to watch the WBC. And I can't tell you the amount of times I beg and plead my friends to come just to a simple Aces game, you know? So it's just stuff like that. So to see that really pumped me up. And I think the worry is, of course, you know, are these guys going to get injured? Salvador Perez got really lucky and didn't get as injured as he could have been playing the WBC. But beyond that, like, what better way? I mean, it's America's freaking pastime. And you're going to – and I can't even believe they removed it, you know, at all. But – I think yeah. it's definitely going to bring more awareness to the sport, which is what we definitely need because the sports is just, it's getting so much backlash and, you know, people are obviously have a lot of controversy towards what Rob Manfred's doing. So I think it's great for the country. And of course, bringing softball in, which watching USA softball was like one of the coolest things ever, you know, and that's what put Jessica Mendoza on the map. So it's definitely something like that. So if you're, you know, a person who doesn't like baseball, but you love your country, like freaking watch a baseball game, like just get over it and watch one USA game and you'll make me happy. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, it was amazing. First off, the women's softball is so much fun to watch, and oh, yeah. it's and you don't get it any other time. At least baseball, we get other times. You don't get softball, um, and the fact that both of those were taken out of the Olympics is just criminal for the stuff that they have in the Olympics is just a joke in itself. Right. But um, yeah, the the WBC people need to watch it if they didn't for some reason. I had people texting me that never watched baseball, so it was good to see. Yeah, really good to see, and I hope it keeps growing like this. Um, Another question, if you don't listen to the Moonshots pod, you guys should. Um, two good people on that, two young, you know, good people. Um, one of them that I'm talking to right now is a big wine person, and I appreciate wine living in California. So I had to ask you, what is your preference? Um, well, okay, so I – was I love, raised or is so like an alcoholic? Like I was drinking when I was twelve. When I first turned twenty one and discovered wine, I really didn't like wine until I honestly turned twenty one. But wink, wink, discovered it when she was twenty one. Wink, wink. I was drinking whiskey at the age of nineteen. Like I will not lie about that. I was <laughs> raised in Reno. You had to be drunk all the time. That is true. That is so true. <laughs> to deal with the fact that you live in Reno. <laughs> I visit there way too often. I'm with you. Okay, yeah, continue. <laughs> exactly. So I was I was really into whites because like I like the sweeter ones. But lately, I've you know I mean probably the last few years I've really gotten into reds. Really um, obsessed with blends. But lately I've been liking like the Merlots and the Cabernet Sauvignons um, and all of that. So, um, but honestly, I haven't had a glass of wine in maybe t- three weeks. I've been on this beer binge lately, so it's Ooh, been kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. And in like, I've noticed, like I actually took a wine tasting class and if you drink wine and it's not in the right glass, it's a waste of time. It is a waste of time because like <laughs> you, if you, if you fly a plane and they give you wine in a plastic cup and you're going to get upset because you're not having great wine, it's like the wine may not be bad. You're just drinking out of it a plastic cup. So that's, you know, 
that's neither here nor there, but there's nothing better than, you know, drinking a glass of wine and watching baseball, but you can't get a glass, a glass glass, unless you're like watching it from the bar above the stadium. That's a rare occasion. So I just choose beer or like a margarita or something. Cause those don't taste in a, in a cup. So it's fine. Yeah. They just go down nicely. Yes. Um, especially when it gets warm in Reno, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you and Alex, you need to have an episode where you teach him wine. That'd be priceless. Oh, I should. That's a great idea. Because, because he would just be mind blown. Yes. Like just even though even the glasses comment, he'd be mind blown. Oh yeah, because it, it, it's a big deal. And like <laughs> at first, I was like, "This is stupid. I'm just here to get bombed." But the next thing you know, you're like, "Wait, they make a good point." And they actually set you home with the glasses, which was great. So it's it, oh, yeah. it really makes a difference. Yeah. Okay, a couple more here. We'll bring it back to baseball. Uh, five favorite or just you know not even your five top three or whatever favorite baseball movies okay so believe it or not um sandlot doesn't make my top five Ooh. i know that sounds awful but it just i'll is wait because there's a lot of good ones um, what do you got oh no did we lose her at the movie time oh yeah why am I not thinking? We lost. Oh, no, we, we lost you. Can you start over oh, again? Yeah, of course. Um, my number one is for love of the game because um, I just am obsessed with uh, that whole entire movie because there's a little bit of love, a little bit of baseball and like they end up together in the airport. It's like so drama and like so girly and believe it or not, I am a chick. I know that surprises a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> and then of course, uh, number two is um, a league of their own um, because being able to watch Madonna dive for a ball is like the coolest thing ever. And then uh, <laughs> number three would probably have to be Angels in the Outfield. Nice. So, yeah, your your list, and I'm not knocking it all because, like I said, there's a bunch of great baseball movies, way different than, you know, the majority of the group. I like that. A little different. I like it. Um, now that you basically live in a ballpark during the summertime, what are your favorite ballparks foods? Because minor leagues, one thing, they have some good stuff, but – like you see Arizona is one of the best and some other ones just have crazy. Stuff. Oh, it's what? getting ridiculous. We're actually talking about that on our moonshots podcast next week. Cause it's just like steroids. It's crazy. We know where the steroids are going. It's in the food. That's where yes. it's going. It is going. Yes, when, you, when, you, when you see the players eating the food in the dugout, make them pee in a cup. Right. Exactly. Um, so this is going to make me sound like a complete snob, but I don't care. Um, the last maybe, 30 games I've gone to, I've been working. So they feed us. So I don't really have to like go and eat ballpark food, but the, there's something that they're serving at the aces ballpark that I'm told. I'm like, I'll pay for this. I do not care. Um, and it's basically um, like French fry nachos with like pulled pork on them. That's and, outstanding. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's definitely like that. The, the, the simple hot dog is always good. I'm a just ketchup on a hot dog kind of girl though. So I'm weird. Um, yeah, that's probably going to end like a marriage for me one day. I just know it. Um, <laughs> just the first one, maybe not the second or third, but for sure the first one. Um, and then I, I really like pretzels and cheese. Like, and I think that's so weird, but just, oh, it's just so good. And if they warm it up the right way and the fact that you spent $13 on a pretzel with cheese, like you better enjoy it. Um, and then of course, like you can never go wrong with like a brownie sundae. Oh, like the best especially if they put it in a helmet hell yeah you got the good ones i'm telling you you, you got them simple but you, the pretzel made me laugh because at the game last night the guy the way the wait waiter guy comes through the, the seats and we were around of beers and then we're all we need two pretzels with nacho cheese please <laughs> yeah like like i know it's, it's made out of like chemicals and bad stuff but sometimes you need to dip a pretzel in cheese it's just the best yeah. Last question. Favorite ballparks you visited? Um, so, okay. This is kind of weird. Like, believe it or not, like as much crap, and that's no pun intended, that the Coliseum gets, every time I go there, I have a great time. I really, really do. And that's like where I saw my first home run. It was the last game I saw with my late father. Um, my friends are always there. And like, you know, it's just it's just always a, a great time and, and all of that. So that's probably like one of my favorites. Uh, Petco was amazing. I loved going to Petco. It's just beautiful and everybody's chill because they're all high. So like, it's really cool. Um, and then, um, 
where else did I go? A Coors Field was awesome. I saw Tulowitzki hit two bombs. And it was funny. Like, I moved. I was, like, standing in a spot. And Tulo hit a bomb. But we missed it. And we're like, let's move. Let's steal somebody else's seats. Right? We moved. Tulo hit a bomb, like, right where we were sitting. So I totally missed on getting a, a home run ball. Um, and then I would say I haven't been to that many, believe it or not. So that's good. actually Kaufman was gorgeous. It's, but it was super humid. I just remember being remember it being like super, super humid. And I think those are all that's all that I but oh, and then I went to ATT and that was cool, but it was just followed like covered in tourists, which I didn't like. It has its moments. I had to explain it to someone the other day. They're like, Oh, you have great fans out there. I said, Yeah, we do, but it's also annoying at times because they're coming straight from work in their suits or this or other. I'm like, right. it's a baseball game. It's a baseball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always dress like I'm going to prom when I go to a game, but that's just because I'm annoying like, like that. <laughs> but uh, I do like the point you made about um, Oco Coliseum because it is an absolute dump. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. But I always have a good time there. Absolutely. It's, it's great. People talk so much trash on it, and most of it's deserved. Right. <laughs> but but it really is a great place to go to. Like something about not being all ritzy, I think is unique and fun about it. Cause mm-hmm. all these new stadiums are just like, Oh, don't touch this. Cause it's brand new or don't do this. Cause it's, it's a whole different like Yankee stadium for crying out loud. is just, it almost looks disgusting now compared to the old Yankee stadium, but another story for another day. Right. Um, well, Jessica, we've been on for quite a while now and um, I had an absolute blast. That was fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Me too. I'd like to thank you for, for, for joining us. Um, we will do this again sometime if you'll have me. Um, I will. I will. We'll have to have a DFS dedicated show. That'd be fun. I would. I'm in. We will make something happen one of these days. We can do that for sure. If I ever make it to Reno again during the Aces season, I will hit you up and uh, check out the ballpark. Yeah, but um, everybody, check her out. She has work everywhere check her workout don't check her out check the workout um <laughs> you can check me out i would like that little ego boost but you know it's fine <laughs> but, um, she's like she said she has an article coming out in fan rag sports tomorrow she writes i see a lot of her sportsnot.com articles and she's all over the place fan grass fan vice everywhere um check out her podcast moonshots pod i know i said it a lot i'm not kidding it's it's not super long it's always just funny off the wall stuff her and alex are great um and check out check her out on Twitter at Kleinschmidt JD, and you'll get all the stuff you need from her right there. So Jessica, again, thanks for joining us. That was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 35, and we will catch you guys next time.